Hey there, Cramaholics. Welcome back. It is your host, Kenzie. I am here with another Friday episode. But before I get started, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you again who continue to come back and listen to our show every single week. We have so many really exciting things happening here at Cramaholics. And if it was not for you guys and the support that you have given us over the last two years, we would not have any of this. So thank you so much for being a loyal supporter. We love you guys so much. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. If you would love to help us continue to grow, if you are on a platform where you can leave us a five-star review, please do so. It means so much to us and we love hearing from you guys. And don't forget that I love you guys being a part of this podcast just as much as we are. So be sure if you have a case that you would love for us to cover, you go to the link in our Instagram where you can go to our link tree and fill out a case suggestion form. And one last thing before I get started with today's episode, I just want to say that I know it has been a very heavy last few days with the tragedy out of Vivaldi, Texas. I'm fully aware that we do have listeners from that area and community, and please know that every one of us here at Crimeholics are keeping you in our thoughts and our prayers. If you are a parent, I hope that you are taking the time to process this and that you are taking time for self-care and you are taking the time to make the decisions that are best for your children moving forward. If you are having a hard time and just need somebody to talk to, please reach out on Instagram. You can message me on my personal Facebook page. It's just Mackenzie Durbin. I myself have been really struggling with what the best decision is for my child, and I know how heavy that can be. So again, my inboxes are always open, and please feel free to reach out at any time for anything you may need. And now let's get started on today's case. On May 25th, 2019 in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is just about an hour from my hometown in Gatlinburg, tragedy strikes on a night which was supposed to be a fun get-together for a number of high school-aged friends in remembrance of their friend who lost his life in a car accident. But what events take place that night is not what Jean Monday thought would happen as she said goodbye to her 15-year-old son, Zach, as he left for that memorial bonfire. This would be the very last time that Jean would ever see her son alive. Well, Zachy was a very loving and outgoing person. Um, from when he was born, I have to say we've had issues. So I had five miscarriages in between my oldest son and Zachy. So Zachy was our miracle child. Um, he got diagnosed with a very rare disease, Langerhans cell histiocytosis X, when he was four months old. So he had a 20% chance of living. So he was literally our miracle child and he grew up in a loving home like we just adored him like me and christian zachy jay we just we had a wonderful time and zachy just loved life and he loved people and he loved to make everybody laugh and make you know just smile i mean he would try to just make any of his friends if they were having a down day he would want to make them you know smile and just laugh um, when he got, he went into remission on his disease when he was eight years old and didn't have to go back and, and do any of his other stuff, maybe once a year. Um, 
but after that, it's like he he just opened up because, you know, he didn't have to do the doctor's appointments anymore. And he opened up and just was just so free to be who he was. And he was just he was just so sweet. And he would hug you and love you and everything. Um, and he wanted to be friends with everybody. He just, you know, he wanted to make everybody happy. And him and his brother were very close. Um, Christian and him are four years apart. Christian's in the military now, or Marines. You know, he, he missed his brother from the minute he left. And he could make you laugh all the time. Him and his brother freaking wrestling all the time just made me laugh constantly. Because they would just giggle at each other when they, you know, supposedly I won or this one, I won. You didn't win. No, I won. <laughs> I mean, it was, he, he, I have way too many memories about him. It's just. It's, it, he was just such a good kid. I mean, and he was so loving, and he would just cuddle with me. And that's that's one thing with Zachy, he was my baby. He would just cuddle with me. Like, we would sit and watch a TV show, and he would cuddle with me. Christian, on the other hand, he was more of, you know, just the, the masculine one, and he didn't <laughs> want to cuddle with mamas. But Christian, he would, or Zachy would cuddle with me, and I loved it. I just loved it. He was such a good boy. And it, he, was a, he, was a, he definitely was a... Um, Oh, oh, what do you call it? A, a woman's man? I don't know what you call it. <laughs> All the girls loved it. <laughs> On that particular evening, Zach lets his mother know that he would be attending the bonfire with friends. He reassures her that this is just a bonfire and he would be hanging out with his friends, having fun, and he would be returning home after. As every one of us listening at some point were high school students and or are currently, we are all well aware at high school get-togethers, occasionally underage drinking takes place. I am fully guilty of underage drinking at some point in high school, and I'm sure some of you listening are as well. As the night begins, all of the friends are having a good time, some are having drinks, and memories are being made amongst the group. Further into the night, an altercation breaks out between 15-year-old Zach Monday and a friend of his by the name of Isaiah Brooks supposed to be just a bonfire with a bunch of the boys and turned into a whole lot more than it should have. I talked to Zachy. He was staying at his friend's, his friend Austin's house, and they were going to go have a bonfire and for, you know, for his, for that memorial. Then my son, I guess, had talked to him because my son's in the Marines. My son had talked to him that night um, around 1230 or one o'clock and everything was good. And then, you know, and we have that 360 or whatever, and he was at where he was supposed to be. The next morning, we get a phone call from Isaiah Brooks' mom, and she, well, I get a call, and she said, the ambulance is at my house. It's Zach. And she wouldn't tell me what happened, but then the whole story unfolded after that. Me and my my ex-husband, we drove to Isaiah Brooks' house, and the um, ambulance has already left and so we hauled butt and went to the hospital and the, the the story that we had gotten was that there was that they were downtown at some place and Zach had fallen on the cement that's the story we got and that's what they stuck to and then we dug in a little bit more and found out that there was still like like holes in these stories and we got a phone call from a a friend of my oldest son that found out the true story from a person that was at this bonfire um that isaiah brooks had body slammed my son on the ground and then took him back to his house 
and left him in the basement. Brooks had got upset at Zach saying something and went after Zach. Zach started running away from him and Brooks grabbed him from behind, took him by the, the, the stomach like a, like a wrestling move and body slammed him on the cement. After Isaiah attacks Zach and body slams him onto the concrete, Zach now has a major head injury that is life-threatening. Panic begins to set in amongst a group of teenagers once they realize the severity of his injuries. Doing what they felt was right at the time, some of the teenagers, including the friend that attacked him, Isaiah, makes the decision to take matters into their own hands and caring for Zach and his injury. Bleeding everywhere, out of his ears, out of his nose. He wasn't speaking right wasn't doing any of the, you know, like, wasn't being able to comprehend anything. I mean, there's, I guess there's bloody towels, bloody stuff everywhere that they had, and they hid everything. And so they took him into the house, tried to clean, they, they were trying to clean him up and get all of, you know, get all the blood off of him and stuff. And according to the, you know, what we heard, the kids thought that they were going to take him to the hospital. So... The whole thing was, is, you know, when they put him, Zachy, into the car of Chelsea Alfson, that Zachy was going to go to the hospital, and Isaiah Brooks got in the car, and then there was two other girls in the car um, with him, and the whole time, Zachy couldn't even talk, I guess couldn't even comprehend what anybody was saying, and they ended up taking, taking him to Isaiah Brooks's house. Well, then somebody else showed up at Isaiah Brooks's house. And another boy came up and asked, is everything okay? And Isaiah, I guess, yelled at this kid, told him to get, get out of the way, took Zach into the house, and that same kid ended up staying there right next to the room that they put Zach into. And at that time... Brooks and Chelsea went in, gave him a shower, tried to clean my son up, and he was throwing up so bad, according to this kid, that kid that I was saying that was in there, throwing up so bad he's never heard anybody, you know, throw up like that. And he did nothing. That kid did nothing. Chelsea Hobson did nothing. Isaiah Brooks did nothing. But they put him in a bed and supposedly laid there next to him the whole time. And then the next morning, another kid from that, that bonfire showed up to check on Zach to make sure that they took him to the hospital, and they didn't. He went in there, and he found Zach. He found Zach on that... I guess they call it the guest desk gurgle. I'm sorry, I'm going to start the desk gurgle. And he was black and blue on his lips and everything. And then I got the phone call from Isaiah Brooks's mom. After getting the initial call from Isaiah Brooks' mom, whom was at the home when this took place, Zach's mom and dad were desperate for someone to step forward and give them honest answers as to exactly what took place that night and what happened to their son. But all they would get were lies and dead ends. And it didn't line up with the story that we had gotten from, you know, Isaiah Brooks or Isaiah's mom or anybody else that was, you know, the lies that they were telling. Because the first story that they told was that they were downtown and that Zach had fallen on the ground. Well, there's no way that Zach could have gotten the injury that he had got falling on, on a cement ground. I mean, 
you know, you, you fall down. I mean, you're not going to, you know, bust your head open like he did. His head was cracked from one side to the other. His, his skull was. And so there's no way. And I knew, we knew right from the beginning that there was something not right. And even the cops even said, because they went and investigated that area. And they weren't down there. They weren't there again. As police begin to realize that Zach's injuries are not matching the story that he tripped and fell on the concrete, they make the decision to move forward with further investigation into the bonfire, and they start with questioning the other teenagers that attended that evening. I think it was more of the next day that they realized that after they investigated the, the downtown area that they realized something was wrong. But the thing is, is they also investigated certain people, but they did it in front of Isaiah Brooks's parents. So it just screwed everything up. I think the whole issue was is because it was a bunch of kids and every kid was changing their story all the time that it, you know what I mean? It was just, it, the investigation was so confusing. And even the DA, you know, they had a hard time with it because, you know, it went from, it was the downtown to it was, you know, a fight. They kept saying it was a fight, and it wasn't a fight. It was Zach running away from him. And so, I mean, the, the whole investigation, I, I, I mean, I'm, none of us are happy with it. It was, it was, it was bad. I, Zach didn't get the justice that he should have gotten. And, you know, they, they didn't, they, I guess they weren't able to get into the, the details that they needed to get into because, of you know, they, they were kids. It was a whole lot of kids that they were getting information from. And also being, you know, they were scared of getting in trouble or scared of, you know, some of these parents that were saying things, you know. Although there were a lot of mixed stories during this investigation, there were two teenagers who stepped forward to let police know exactly what happened during that altercation. Once the police go to the home where this altercation took place and they began searching the home, they did find all of the bloody rags that were used to clean up Zach after he was attacked. So between the two teenagers' confessions and the bloody rags, Zach's family is hopeful that the arrests of Isaiah Brooks and Chelsea Hobson, Isaiah's girlfriend, were about to take place. Chelsea Hobson is Isaiah Brooks' girlfriend who helped take Zach back to Isaiah's home and who supposedly laid next to Zach in the bed as he died and did nothing to get him help. But no initial arrests were made until the first court hearing regarding Zach's death on November 1st, 2019, six months after his murder. Went in there and we got to speak our stuff, but they wanted to take out every one of the the impact statements. Everyone that all the Zachy's friends that wanted to talk, they wanted to take all that stuff out so, so nobody could hear it. And us going out there and talking was fine and all, but then you get Isaiah Brooks and Chelsea out there, and Chelsea's talking about wanting to be a veterinarian, and I just wanted to do take care of animals, and I just wanted to do this, and blah, blah, blah. Of course, Zach's family is thrilled to know that the arrests have been made, but they were extremely let down by the entire court system. Seems as though no matter how heartbroken his family was as they spoke to the courtroom, begging and pleading for their son to get justice, it was just not enough to be able to make that happen. Uh, we got done speaking, all three of us got done speaking. They told us the first person they did was, uh, was Isaiah Brooks, and they said he's got the full 10 years, but then, you know, they're going to review it in a year, and then... Then they took a break and went on to Chelsea's. Well, after he said that he was going to be, he was going to get the full ten years. I felt relief. And then when he said he was going to review in a year, is when I 
got kind of angry. You know, this wasn't going to happen like, you know, like it was supposed to. It wasn't, you know, he's not going to get his 10 years, you know, not get the uh, plea bargain that we had given instead of going to grand jury. Now that Zach's family is feeling defeated and let down, knowing that the person who took their son's life could possibly be spending only one year in prison, they are holding on to hope that the court system would do what was right when it came to handing down Chelsea's sentence for accessory after the fact. But once again, Zach and his family would be failed. Accessory after the fact, and she got six years probation, 30 days in jail, and then a chance of diversion. Chelsea spent only 28 days in jail. After Chelsea spends only 28 days in jail and a year goes by, the court reopens the possibility of Isaiah Brooks getting out of prison early. However, at that particular court hearing, the judge had decided that he had not been in prison long enough and he would need to sit a little longer to learn his lesson. But just a few short months after that court hearing and the decision was made to let him sit a little longer, Zach's parents received a phone call that Isaiah had been let out of prison and moved to a halfway home. Since being moved to the halfway home, Isaiah has been let out of prison with only only an alcohol monitoring system. After speaking with Zach's mom, I could hear in her voice the heartache and anger that she has that her son's life was taken so soon when all of this could have been prevented. Isaiah's mom was in the home the night Zach laid in a bed in her home and died. They could have went to her and asked for help. Chelsea Hobson's mother has worked in the medical field all of Chelsea's life and her father is a cop. Either of her parents could have been called that night. This was a complete disregard for human life. To allow someone you call your friend to lay in a bed to die painfully while you sit back and do nothing is pure evil. I asked Zach's mom if you were in a room full of kids Zach's age and their parents, what would you want to tell them? Your kids more often, but you know, it's also the trust in your kids to be able to, you know, make the right decisions. And these kids seem to be scared to get help for somebody that you know might be hurt or or you know injured or whatever and they're scared to get help for them and it doesn't make any sense to me because they're not going to get in trouble you know so why would you not help that you know your friend or your best friend or your you know sibling or whatever I don't get it I mean these parents need to put into their head you know when 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 a when your friend is hurt or when your friend's, you know, got something wrong, call another person, call 911, go to the hospital, drop them off, do something. Don't leave them there. When I, we were taught, you know, you see a hurt person, you're going to go get them help or you're going to call your family to, to help them. It doesn't make any sense to me that somebody's going to go hide because they're afraid because they were drinking alcohol. Be a friend, look out for them, always respect them, you know, always just be there you know don't don't put yourself in front of anybody else you know god's gonna watch out for you guys everybody but you've got to watch out for each other too i say if you're a parent be vigilant on the kids you're hanging out with your kids are hanging out with zach's family has created a really awesome facebook page in honor of zach and his memory so we have a facebook and instagram page for zach zachy um, and it's called Zach Around the World. It's Z-A-C-H dot around, A-R-O-U-N-D dot the world. Um, 
and we make these rocks and we post put them in all different places and so when you find a rock you just take it and put it into a different state or a place that you really love and then you post it on Zachy's Facebook or Instagram page we have it on both of them and then you just you know it, he, it just lets Zachy travel around and see all the different places as Zach's mom has said, if you are a parent, please always be vigilant of who your child is spending their time with. And if you are a friend who has a friend who is in trouble, please always call for help no matter what the circumstances are. If somebody would have gotten Zach the proper help that evening, this entire situation could have been different. If you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join our Crimeholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram where I will have pictures posted of Zach. Crimeaholics, as always, be aware and take care. 